Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We've got a little, uh, uh, maybe a, a double header tonight between Pastor Angela and I. We've got uh, a few things on our heart. There's some things that I just want to talk about that are completely unrelated to one another uh, that uh, have just come up in, in my heart in the last few weeks. And, and uh, none of these are, are uh, a message. They're just little uh, things that, that uh, I think that we need to give a little bit of attention to that will help us going forward. And uh, the first one, you've heard me say this before, but I'm, I usually get a little behind this time of the year and, and then try to catch up. As you know, we're going into the holiday season. The, the, I don't like to say that. We're going into the Thanksgiving Christmas season. You know, everybody wants to get rid of the word Thanksgiving and Christmas. Say, well, we're having a holiday party. No, you're having a Christmas party. Amen. If there was no Christmas, there'd be no party. Amen. And so during this uh, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas season, you know, it's a time of, of a lot of busyness. It's a lot of time. It's a time of a lot of activity. And uh, this time of the year puts a demand on everybody. There, there is extra uh, shopping to do. There, there are, there, there's home decoration to do. There's uh, family get-togethers. And there's preparation of food. And, and it's just from, from now, you know, throughout uh, the rest of the year, uh, if you're not careful, this season can rob you of your peace. Amen. And, and, and well, I, 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 when I typed this out on my computer, I said the season can rob you of your peace. I went back and I changed it, can rob us of our peace because it can do the same thing to me as much as it can to you if I'm not careful. This time of the year and, and all of the activities, we need to keep our focus where the focus should be. The reason we're, we have people over is Thanksgiving is a time to give thanks. It's a time to remember. We, we know that we do that all the time. We should always be thankful, but there's nothing wrong with a tradition of taking a, a, a day where we as a nation, as a people, as a church, as, a, as an individual family, where you just you know stop, join hands and say, we're gonna thank God for what he's done in our lives. Well, that's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about all the other externals. And, uh, but it's easy to, uh, to let it, uh, uh, like I said, it'll rob you of your peace. It'll rob you of your joy. This is a, a great time of the year. It's a, it's a wonderful time if you keep your focus on it right. And, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying the festivities. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the lights and the decorations and the, and the Christmas music and all of the things. There's nothing wrong with that. We shouldn't run away from that or say, well, that's not, you know, that's not what it's about. No, it isn't. But there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things. But we can't let those things uh, and all of the other pressure come in. It's, it's interesting that for a lot of people, Christmas time is the most uh, uh, depressing time of the year. For a lot of people, you, you talk to, to healthcare professionals, mental healthcare professionals, and they'll tell you uh, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, uh, depression and oppression spikes in a lot of people because it's, there's so much pressure. Uh, they have a sense of feeling of loss, you know, of, if they're not around their family members or just one thing or another. Listen, don't let anything rob you of your peace, of your joy. 
Uh, it, can, it can rob you of your spiritual momentum. We have momentum. We're in revival. And, and we, we have to, the only way you stay in revival, the way you stay in revival is how you got into revival. And that's by being hungry. Be hungry, continue to be hungry, continue to. I, I, I was thinking about it today. There was a, a, a gentleman, he's a, he's a friend of mine that I've never met. He's, he's a man that, uh, he's, a, he's a, another pastor. He went to Ramah and I met him through Facebook. I've never met him face to face. He's a friend of Christopher Allen's and, uh, and that's how uh, you know, I, I became acquainted with him online. And, and he and I write back and forth. He's a good man. He's a good pastor. He's a, he's a spiritual man. Uh, but, but he wrote some things today about revival uh, and about how the, the gist of it is the church shouldn't need revival. You know, it, it's really an, uh, 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 an acknowledging of failure on our part that we should live full all the time. Well, that's part of the, that, that's partly true. We should stay full all the time. We should stay, we shouldn't need, one of the things that revival is, is about, and I mentioned this, God, God sends revival to resuscitate to, to restore, uh, to turn, uh, to, to get spiritual momentum to the church, to, to bring us back from a state of decline. But that doesn't, that's not all there is to it. We need revival because God wants to take all of us higher. You don't have to be in decline to need to go higher. You don't have to be out of fellowship with the Lord to need to grow closer to the Lord. You know, in, in James it says, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. That presupposes that there's always room to draw nearer. Amen. Isn't that right? And so this man was writing and, and he just, you know, bless his heart, he doesn't understand uh, revival. When, when the healing revival came, in 1947, from 1947 to 1958, there was a healing revival. Brother Hagen and other people were praying about it. We've read about Dad Hagen's testimony, how during the winter, you know, of, of, of uh, uh, 43 and 44, how he just was so hungry and just stirred up and spending extra time in prayer. And, and one day after praying several hours in prayer, the Spirit of God told him, said that at the end of World War II, there'll come a revival of divine healing to America. Well, Brother Hagin wasn't out of fellowship with the Lord. But the healing revival wasn't there. You can't get in on something that's not there. Well, there was nothing wrong with Brother Hagin's walk with the Lord, but in 1947, that revival broke and he got in it and started flowing with it. And there was a distinct difference in what was going on in the church before the revival started and after the revival started. And it wasn't, now in revival, people who are down and have drifted and are lethargic and are not in the best fellowship, it is a time to stir everybody up and those people draw closer to the Lord. But I tell you what, it's, it's a time when everybody draws closer, regardless of where your walk is. And uh, Dad Hagen would testify, and I've heard him talk about that time. He said during those days of the healing revival, he said it was like healing was just in the air. It was just like it was just all of a sudden there was a spigot opened, you know, in heaven and healing power was being poured out. In one sense, God never does anything new. He's not doing anything. He's not doing anything that he's not done before. God doesn't have any new stuff. It's all the same stuff. 
And so in that sense, God's not doing anything new, but God does take us to higher levels in things. He said that he talked to evangelists during that time who used to be just, they were just exhorters. Back in the church that I grew up in, you know, we called people evangelists and most of the time they weren't evangelists because they didn't have any healing or deliverance or supernatural ministry. They would just go from church to church, hold revival meetings and preach on salvation every night, salvation, salvation, salvation. Sometimes the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people would get saved, some people would get filled with the Spirit, but it was all about salvation. But a true evangelist, according to Acts uh, chapter eight, is someone like Philip who has a ministry healing, a, a, a healing ministry. And, uh, but Brother Hagin said during this time that these exhorters who called themselves evangelists, some of them, you know, would talk to Brother Hagin. They'd say, you know, in all of our years, we've, we've been on the evangelistic field in years. For years, we never pray for anybody for healing. And all of a sudden, when that revival came, it, it, we just started laying hands on people almost, you know, in unbelief. We didn't even expect people to get healed. And people started getting healed. Miracles started happening. He said, just to our utter amazement. Well, you could tell they weren't in the most, you know, highest degree of faith about it. No, their God was doing something. And because of the healing revival, something was restored in the awareness and the consciousness and the life of the church. Not, the, not anything that had been withholden or withheld by God that he restored, but the church was restored. The church was restored to these truths. And, he, and it, was just, it was just a time where there was extraordinary healing power in manifestation. When the charismatic revival came, and now, now the healing revival went from 47 to 58. In 1959, Dad Hagen prophesied again, and he said in a church service, he said, uh, the next revival is going to be in the church because that, that revival, the healing revival, had been predominantly outside of the local church. Local churches supported it, but it was a revival that took place in big tents primarily all around the country. All the major cities, the big healing evangelists, you know, would travel around the country and they'd bring their big tents to the city and set them up and all of the, mostly the Pentecostal only, I would say. Only the Pentecostal churches would support it. Our church supported some of these. I remember as a little kid, you know, in the, in the early mid-50s, uh, you know, going to some of these healing revivals under the big tent. 10,000 people present under a tent. That's a pretty big tent. And, uh, and miracles, I mean, crutches. I remember the, 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 the man that, uh, that I remember going to, you know, every night he, he'd, people would get healed of, of uh, all kind of crippling diseases. They had braces and crutches and he would take the crutches and he would break them over his knee. And when they came up, I mean, you, you either got healed or you were in trouble. I mean, he'd break them before, they, before the power of God came. Well, they'd come up with a crutch, he'd take and break it and he'd throw it over, had a, like a curtain and he'd throw it over behind that curtain. Then he'd lay hands on them. And people go away walking, you know. And, uh, but when that happened, it restored the, the, uh, the, the truth, not just the healings that took place. The church became aware again of healing power. That it was the will of God to heal. When uh, in 58, Brother Hagin talked about the next revival. He said the next revival will be in the church. Well, all the Pentecostals thought he was talking about it would be in their local churches. Well, it was the charismatic renewal and the Pentecostal churches almost missed it completely, almost completely didn't get in on it because they just couldn't believe God would move, you know, in other churches. And in 1960, in uh, Van Nuys, California, there was a, an Episcopal priest by the name of Bennett 
And uh, he got up and told his congregation one morning that uh, he and two or three other of the people in his church, this was a large, several thousand member Episcopal church, and he's an Episcopal priest, you know. And he got up and, and uh, admitted to the church or told his church that he and two or three other people had been filled with the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2 and had spoken in other tongues. Well, shortly after that, he had to leave that church. They shut him down. But the word of that, just one man, one preacher, one priest being filled with the Spirit, it went like wildfire all across the country. All of the local uh, TV stations and, and uh, uh, newspaper reporters come out to his church because it was a big shakeup in his church. And, and news teams came out and started broadcasting about this Episcopal preacher that was speaking in other tongues. And Time Magazine picked it up. And in a few weeks' time, it spread like wildfire all over the country. And it just, boom, the charismatic renewal was underway. Well, one component of the charismatic renewal is not only speaking with other tongues, but healing was a very major part of the charismatic outpouring. In, in these little home meetings all across the country, you know, people were, were being filled with the sick, I mean, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they were praying for the sick, and people were getting healed in their homes and in Catholic churches and Episcopal churches and in uh, just every denomination. Well, those were, those were revivals that God sent and it wasn't just people who were, who were uh, cold and indifferent. It brought an awareness to, to, to the body of Christ and it brought a bunch of people from a, from a place of being cold and indifferent or not having an experience at all, not even knowing about an experience. It brought them in, but it also took the people who knew these things to a higher level. Now, most of the Pentecostal denominations missed out of it for about the first 20 years. About 1980, they finally realized this was of God. The charismatic renewal was just about over. By 85, it was just virtually gone, and they finally woke up. But there were some people, like the people in my church, my, my church, the church of God that I went to, we were in revival uh, during these days in, in the 1970s. And uh, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, there was a revival going on in that church. I came in, it was already going on. And the charismatic re renewal was accepted in our church by not everybody, but by a fairly good portion of the congregation. And it took our Pentecostal church, we already knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we already knew about healing, but it took us to a higher level. And so I said all that, this, this, this pastor wrote, you know, that... that uh, you know, that instead of revival, we just need to live uh, uh, close to God and just act on the word all the time. Well, that's true, but let's not discount the fact that God sends revival for a variety of reasons. To bring in the wayward, but also to take the whole church to a higher place because none of us have it all. None of us know it all. None of us are experiencing it all. None of us are, are walking in the full. I don't care who you are. I don't even have to know you. I know you don't have it all. It's not that you don't have it positionally. You do. But in ex by experience, you're not walking in the fullness of it. I don't, have to, I don't have to know who you are. I know that there's room to grow because the Bible says that Jesus is coming back for a church that, is, that comes to the fullness of the stature of of Christ. Well, we're not there yet. 
Like, like uh, Ed Dufresne used to say, you know, before he went home to be with the Lord, talking about this, this last day outpouring of the Spirit. He said, if Jesus comes back now, he said, and the church is raptured out right now, he said, I'm gonna have a real problem with that because I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go up to Jesus. If we're raptured out of, out of here, I'm, first thing I'm gonna go up to do is go up to him and I'm paraphrasing and say, really, Jesus, was that it? What we had was that, that was the big pop? No, there's more. There's more. Let's stay hungry for more all during November, all during December. Amen. Let's stay on fire. Let's stay on fire. There's more for us. I, you know, the Pentecostal churches that, that, uh, that I was familiar with growing up and my, the, the elders, the old timers, in the early days of the Pentecostal outpouring, they didn't have the revelation of faith that we have. They didn't have the, the revelation of who we are in Christ that we have. They didn't have the revelation of the authority of the believer that we have. There's a lot of things that they didn't have revelation of. But I'm gonna tell you what, they had power we don't have. That not from, not from heaven's side, but from our side, they were walking in a degree of power that we haven't seen. I mean, the stories of, of some of the most miraculous things you've ever heard in your life came out of those first uh, 10 to, to 15, maybe 20 years of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the turn of the, of the 20th century. I mean, some of the most amazing things today, you'd read them, you can't, almost can't believe them. Well, they, they had something, amen. And, and we need that and we need more, amen. This time of the year is not the time to let it slide. Amen, it's not time to, to, to take time off if you do that, it'll rob you of your spiritual momentum and it'll rob you of your witness. At a time of the year where our witness is and can be and should be most effective, it will be effective as we stay full of the Holy Ghost, stay on fire, stay hungry. That's when our witness is the strongest, amen? Hallelujah. Well, that was unrelated item number one. Unrelated item number two, completely unrelated. When, uh, when we have services, uh, uh, when the Spirit of the Lord is, is moving among us. Uh, go with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. I don't know, honey, you might not get back up here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number, Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse 26, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. I think if this was written to, to us, it'd say, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, someone, someone among you has a psalm. Anybody has a psalm. Has a Come on. Not every one of you. I, I said, is there room to grow? Is there room to increase? Yeah, but, but, but here's the thing. Sometimes when the Spirit of the Lord has endeavored to move this way, uh, we sometimes can, can get in the way of it and, and interrupt what the Lord is doing. In a, in a service where the, the Spirit of God is moving and, and if, if I call on somebody, I recognize that, that the Spirit of God is wanting to do something in the congregation and I say, well, you know, if you've got something from the Lord, that's a time to, here's where people short circuit the power of God. 
a lot of times people will, will come forward with something that's on their heart real big. Maybe it's something that the Lord's been dealing with them about for the, that week or maybe that last couple of days and they've been praying about it and it's just stirring up on the inside. But it has nothing to do with the flow that's going on right then in the service. And that's where a lot of times people, where the whole church gets discouraged because someone will, will then uh, attempt to minister something and it's like it doesn't fit. Always check if you, if you feel stirred that the Spirit of God is wanting you to, to say something, to share something, to minister in a particular way, check on the inside and say, now, Lord, how does this fit with what's going on right now? Is this in the same flow? Will, it, will what I minister build on what the Spirit is doing and has been doing up to this point in the service? That's real important. Because a lot of times people will, well, like I said, they'll minister something out of, and it's exciting to them, but if you just look down on the inside, it'd just be real, real sensitive. You'd sense, yep, there's, a, there's another time for this. There's a better time. Hold on to that. And it might be just something that's for you or it might be there'd be a service, a next service or two or three services later where that would fit better. Let's learn these things. Let's learn how this works. Now, there are people who sometimes will just say some things that are completely in the flesh. When that happens, you know it because it's like somebody pours cold water out on the whole thing. It just, everybody just feels you know, ridiculous. I remember many, many years ago, back in the 80s, there was a, a family coming to our church at, at the time and, and, and it was a, a precious family and, and, a, and, a, and a precious man. I, I loved him, you know, he was a good guy. And I remember one, so every now and then, you know, he'd have a word of prophecy or, or a tongue or an interpretation of tongues or something. And one particular service, we were just worshiping the Lord over in the old building, it's back in the 80s. And uh, I mean, you know, you know, services where the anointing is strong now you know the difference you, you know the difference when you come to church and it's just it's, it's just good but it's not out there's not an, an unusually strong presence of God does anybody know what I'm talking about that, that's normal it, it would be it would be it would, it would not be normal to have extraordinary services every time we come together that doesn't mean that every service won't be anointed it's anointed right now when I got up and started sharing, the anointing of God came on me. And I hadn't even thought about half of what I just said for the last 10 minutes until I got up here. So, so there's di there are different degrees of the anointing and different ways the Spirit flows. But then there are times, you know it sometimes, as soon as the first chord is struck on the piano, everybody's in and it's just like glory fills the place. Does anybody not know what I'm talking about? Sure you know what I'm talking about. Now, let me give you some insight. Why does that happen? What, 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 does God just decide to show up? No, I can tell you why that happens. It happens every time because there's a large degree of the people present get into one accord. You see that in the scripture when the church came together in one accord. In the Old Testament, when the, when the people of God came together in one accord, the anointing showed up. And they're just frankly, a lot of times, all of us are human. All of us have things, just, just the natural uh, realm to deal with. And there are times we come in and we're not really in one accord. That doesn't mean that we're in strife with one another. I'm not talking about strife or division. I'm just talking about being in one accord in worship. 
And when enough people aren't in one accord, there's just not going to be as good a flow as there would be if everybody is in one accord. Sometimes it just happens. And what I, what I get back to what I was talking about, you know it when it's there. We were having one of those services. I mean, it was just, oh, oh glory to God. The, just the glory of the Lord was in the place and people were worshiping. And this man got up and prophesied and, and the gist of it was, yeah, you've praised me a little bit, but not really enough. This is not really what I want. You know, you, you really need to, to, to go deeper because, you know, you're just, you're just on, the, on the, and it was just such a, it was almost like a rebuke. Well, it, she said it was a rebuke. It really was. And it was just like it just poured cold water on the whole, the whole thing. It was like, really? I thought we were okay. I mean, I, you know, you were blessing us. How, why were you blessing us if we weren't doing a good job, you know? Well, when somebody does that, and everybody, that's just flesh, okay? So, but what I'm talking about prior to, when I first started talking, I'm not talking about people being in the flesh and just sharing something that's not right. A lot of times there's something that's legitimate. It's good. It's just not for this service. Maybe not for this time in the service, there have been a lot of times when, when Ike Cool was here and, and I was training him, you know, how to, to cooperate with the anointing in church, you know. And uh, almost every Sunday night, almost every Sunday night after church, we would go back into my office and we would go over the service. And I'd say, now remember tonight when such and such happened and you and you took it in this direction I said did you notice what happened and how the anointing didn't go that way yeah he said I, I kind of wondered about that and we would critique the service night after night after night but what I noticed was and he and, and he and I would go on talking I said but remember did you also notice that we just stayed with it I didn't cut anything off we went in that direction for a while and I knew I knew Ike well enough that he would keep searching, he would keep following the Holy Ghost and eventually that thing would come back around and the anointing would pick up again and we'd have a wonderful time in the Lord. I knew I could trust him to do that so I'd just sit there and wait. And I'd sit there on the platform sometimes thinking, boy, this thing's just about derailed completely. This is not where we were going. This wasn't what the Holy Ghost was doing but I'll just wait a few minutes and we just continue to praise the Lord and sing and and. We get right back in that flow and go on, you know, and have a great time. Well, sometimes what you have might not fit right now. Well, don't, don't put it in right now. Wait a few minutes. Wait a few minutes. And if, and if it doesn't fit at all, don't, get, don't be, you know, start pouting about it. Now, you didn't get to share what, you know, your revelation. Wait until the next time when it's appropriate. Does that make sense to everybody? That'll help in not understanding that, not... Not cooperating with that has caused problems in the past, but we're going forward now. We're, we're moving on. God wants to do some things. He wants to do it through the congregation as well as from up here. Let's all learn some wisdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Third unrelated subject. Go over to, you're in 1 Corinthians 14 here. Go back to verse number 10. There are, it may be, Come on, it's not that far. It's just one page. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages or tongues in the world and none of them is without significance. 
when, when you're praying in the spirit, the Lord is, is uh, moving in a powerful way and he has been for some time in prayer. And, uh, and I want to see more people get involved in it, but I know sometimes people struggle in the area of praying in the spirit. It's not that they don't pray in the spirit. It's not that they haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoken some in tongues, but they struggle get in, getting into a real flow of the spirit. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I try to encourage people is when you pray in the spirit, it's not a mental thing. Tongues don't come out of your head. They come out of your spirit, man. They come out from deep inside. Jesus said out of your innermost being. And the, and the Greek word literally says out of your gut, out of your belly, which would be just a, a, a way of saying your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And back in the 80s and 90s, I used to encourage people more than I do now. When you pray in the spirit, I'd say put your hand right here on your belly. Close your eyes and just put your hand physically there and focus your mental attention down to that place where you have your hands down here. Pray in the spirit and mentally focus not thoughts about today and tomorrow and your laundry list and you know your shopping list and, and you know whatever it might be, but instead focus your attention on where those tongues are coming from. And I said, if you'll do that, you'll learn to grow aware of your inner man. And so uh, uh, when you're praying in other tongues, one, if you'll do that, that'll help a lot. It'll help you uh, when you come to the service on, on Monday night. It'll help you get into the flow of the Spirit if you'll learn to, to put aside mental things and focus on the inward man. It's, 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 focusing, it's focusing your attention. So it's, it has to do with your mind, but it's, it's putting your mind on your spirit. Instead of just letting your mind go all around on you know, other things. That makes sense? Put your mind on your spirit. Listen to your spirit and your spirit will grow louder and you'll be more aware of your inward man than you are of your mind or, or other things or your physical surroundings. And, uh, but this scripture talks about there are different kinds of languages in the world. None of them is without significance. Don't be concerned about what your tongue sound like. I, I know people struggle with that. Well, I don't sound like so-and-so. I don't have this, I don't seem to have a fluency. I, I, I kind of seem to just say the same words over and over and over. Listen, get your mind off of that. If you'll focus your attention on your inward man and just speak what comes, more will come. But whenever you're, you're struggling with what it sounds like rather than where it's coming from, it'll keep you sort of shut down and you won't go any further. Get your mind off of that. Completely ignore what it sounds like. Uh, it, it says here that there, there, there are different kinds of languages in the world, not just different languages, different kinds of languages. Different kinds all of them have meaning. I, I remember this, somebody said one time that they were watching one of these uh, National Geographic shows and there was one of these real primitive tribes, I think it was maybe in the Amazon basin or something, you know, in, in South America, just way back, you know, real primitive. And he said they, he, they had it on TV, they would record it, they'd gone in, you know, and, and, and discovered this, this, these real backwards people. And he said their language consisted of something that sounded like this. 
And he said, that's, that they'd make those sounds, those sounds that kind of a... And they said, that's how they talk to each other. They were just making all these, you know, whatever you would call that, you know, sounds, and they would answer one another. What kind of language is that? But they knew what they were saying. Listen, there are all kind of languages in the world. Don't be concerned about what your language sounds like. Just speak what comes up out of your inward man. And, uh, you know, it says here in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, this is the only place in the Bible that I know of that it deals with tongues of angels, so I don't know how you can really prove one thing or another. Uh, it could be, there's, there's, tends, there seems to be some uh, validity in thinking that he's just, he's just thinking, uh, uh, hi, uh, what would you call, hypothetically, tongues of men or even say of angels, not that he's really talking about tongues of angels. He's just using that as, as, a, as a for instance. Or it could be that there are actually, we actually sometimes pray with tongues of men and sometimes tongues of angels. I'm inclined to believe that sometimes tongues are not human tongues at all. I mean, do angels have languages? Well, when, when they speak to men, they always speak in the languages of the men they're speaking to. When an angel appears to somebody and gives them a message, you know, it's always in that person's native language. Well, if they speak in those languages and many different languages, they must speak. They must speak or they, or you know. So it's quite possible that the languages that we speak in in tongues and the sounds that we make, they're not human at all. So don't be surprised if they sound really strange. I said, don't be surprised. Don't get hung up about it. Don't be focusing on what it sounds like. Just speak what the Spirit gives you. Go over to uh, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, this specifically is not talking about tongues. We use this passage of Scripture because tongues are one way that the Spirit makes intercession for us or makes it available for us so that we can speak it. Uh, but either the tongues or the groanings, we still have to speak it. So we're the one on one hand that's making the intercession, but it's the Holy Spirit that's helping us. But notice, whether it's tongues or whether it's groanings, there are groanings sometimes that don't sound like anything. They don't sound like, they don't sound, uh, they're, they're not made up of syllables at all. They're just groanings. Some translations, in fact, many translations, will render this verse something like this. But the Spirit himself makes intercession with, with, for us with groanings which cannot be articulated. You can't even put it into anything that sounds like words. Does the Spirit do that? I said, does the Spirit do that? I said, does the Spirit do that? Well, if he does that, why get hung up about it? 
because you're, you don't sound like somebody else. We've talked about tongues of men, tongues of angels. We've talked about groanings that, are not, that don't seem to be tongues at all. They're just sounds that, that are unintelligible, that, that's beyond. It's almost as if I've been there many times in the spirit. It was almost, it, you had the sense that there was no way to utter with any meaning, but you just, made, you just made these groanings. But notice, notice what it says. He who searches the hearts, well, if you, you just run your, your reference sometime when you want to, and just run your references on, on he who searches the hearts, you'll find out that's the Lord. It's the Lord who searches the hearts of men. It says, he who searches the hearts, that's the Lord, knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he, the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And he just said that in verse 26. He's just repeating what he said there. So when those times of groanings, those unintelligible uh, uh, sounds that just come up from the depth of you because you can't fully express it in any kind of articulate language, when that, the Holy Spirit, when that happens, he still knows, I mean, the Lord that you're praying to still knows what the Spirit means. Even in those groanings, there's a meaning. The Spirit gives the groanings, and even though they're not even in a language, they're just sounds, the Lord knows exactly what is meant. That's the key, flowing with the Spirit and letting God interpret on his own what we're saying. It's not up to us to interpret it unless the Lord gives us interpretation. Amen? Hallelujah. Fourth unrelated item. Go with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I read from this scripture briefly on Sunday morning, just, you know, made an illustration out of it. And this is when Jesus uh, told his disciples, you know, let's cross over the Sea of Galilee. And uh, this windstorm arose. Then Pastor Greg mentioned this again uh, Sunday night. And while he was preaching, uh, now this is, this, is, this is an illustration the, the, the Lord started talking to me about this and at the end of the service, Pastor Greg says, Pastor, do you have anything? Well, I had something that, that, that fit right with what he was talking about. But you know, just on the inside of me, I said, no, I, don't, I don't need to share that. Listen, just because you have something doesn't mean you have to share it. I think, well, you're the preacher. You always get to share. No, that's not it. The, 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 the point is, it didn't add anything Pastor Greg had, had sufficiently presented what needed to be presented. There was nothing to improve upon. And sometimes when, when someone else tries to add to, it, it ends up taking away from and watering down what's been said. And so I, I had something that would go along with that, but it didn't help it. You see, the, it didn't help it. What Greg had said about this passage of Scripture was great. Why? Why? take our attention and then direct it in a different direction. When the Spirit had, had us understanding one uh, and several truths that he brought out, well, let's just stay with that and reflect on it and get the most out of it. But then tonight, you know, I hadn't planned on doing this until late this afternoon. And the Lord reminded me of what he was dealing with me about uh, Sunday night. You know, uh, I think it was Charles Capps when I was at Raymond many, many years ago. He held a, uh, I'm sure it was him, he held a, a seminar on the campus and he made a statement one time and you've heard me say it many times. I never lit it. I've never forgotten it. He said, be real careful 
Pay, or he said, pay close attention to what the Holy Spirit says about what I say. In other words, in my teaching. He said, because what the Holy Spirit says about what I say, what the Holy Spirit says to you about what I say is more important than what I say. And you know that is, you know that's true. You've been in service and somebody's preaching and all of a sudden, man, you're getting revelation and it, it's just pouring into you. Well, you know, uh, this is just a, just a, it's not real a lot of, lot of revelation, but it's just an exhortation that'll help us. Jesus, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose and beat in, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, but he was in the stern in the back of the boat asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Ooh, look at me. You see what I just did? How about that, boys? Don't you wish you were like me? Aren't you glad you had me on board? You guys would have drowned if it wasn't for me. What are you gonna do? You can't, you can't even get along without me. It's not what he said. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They, were, they thought they were gonna die. They were, they were afraid for their lives because the storm had arisen. Jesus said, that's not faith, that's unbelief, that's fear. He said, and so they, it says in verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who can this be? Who, who be this? Who be this? Who can this be? Who be this? The church. That's who this be. This is a picture that, that God has of the church. This is the way the church, this is the way his followers are supposed to be. This wasn't the way one man was supposed to be. This was the way all of us are supposed to be. What kind of man is this? Who, who is this? Well, uh, it's who he made us to be. It's a picture of us. Now, here's the thing. Even if you're following God's will and God's, God's plan. Now, if you, you hear me say sometimes, a lot of times, that if you'll be led by the Spirit, sometimes the Spirit of God, a lot of times, he'll lead you around things, pitfalls and dangers and perilous things, and, and many times you won't even know anything about them. I'm sure when we get to heaven, we'll, we'll look back and he'll say, you remember whenever I dragged you to this way? Look at this danger that was awaiting you. Sometimes we're not even aware of it. Sometimes we are aware. Sometimes we just by, we don't know why, we just, we just you know, just had an impression to do something and then we look back and go, whew, thank you, Lord. Amen. But even, even when you're led of the Spirit, there will still be storms in your life. Even if you're led of the Holy Ghost, Jesus was led of the Spirit right into the storm. Isn't that right? He was led of the Spirit out into the wilderness and he ran, I mean, face to face with a major manifestation of the devil and he was tempted for 40 days. Well, I've been going through a battle. Well, he, he went through a battle too and he was led of the Spirit to be in that place. So being led of the Spirit doesn't mean that storms won't arise. They, they sometimes will arise. Jesus arose, calmed the storm, in the, in the sea, in the wind, at the last minute, I mean at the point of destruction, 
But you know why he waited that long? Because they waited that long. That's why he waited that long. He waited because they waited. Don't you think Jesus could have, could have spoke to that wind as soon as it had come up? Don't you think he could have, he could have, he could have quelled that storm as soon as the, the first wave started rising up and the wind just picked up a little bit and they could see this doesn't look good? Why didn't they get Jesus up then? Now, we know the bigger, we know the bigger truth is why didn't they deal with it themselves, but why didn't they get Jesus involved? Sometimes we wait too long to get the Lord involved. I said, sometimes we wait too long to get the Lord involved and then at that point, the fear is so great and the threat is so ominous and, the, and I mean, we're in the midst of a terrible situation simply because we didn't call on the Lord soon enough. Amen. And then uh, we can stop a lot of things as soon as they start. One of the biggest things uh, people need to Remember, you don't, have, you don't have a minute. I'm going to give you one minute. The biggest, some, one of the biggest things people need to, re, need to grow up in is learning how to recognize when the devil's starting something as soon as he starts it. Recognize as soon as... Listen, learn to recognize temptation when it first starts. Learn to, learn to recognize where your, your triggers are. Learn to recognize where your, where your uh, vulnerability areas are and begin to recognize when the devil first starts putting pressure on you in an area instead of playing around and thinking, I'm cool, you know, I can just, you know, I can just do my own thing for a little while. He, no, recognize when the devil first starts something and say, no, 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 I've been down this road before. This seems real. This seems real unconsequential, inconsequential, but I know better. I know what you're doing. I know what you have planned for me and I'm not going down that road. Amen. Amen. A lot of grief would be uh, uh, prevented and a lot of, frankly, a lot of sin would not happen if people would just learn to recognize when the devil first starts playing with you a little bit, say, no, sir, no, you don't. No, you don't. No. Instead of most of the time people that get tripped up in things, it's like the 700th time and they just, they just do it again and go down the same little road and then when they're caught in the middle of a trap, they go, oh God, I'm sorry. Listen, he does the same thing over and over and over. Why don't you wise up and say, no, nope, 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 I, I've been here before. I'm not going down this road. Well, amen. And when trouble comes, begin to recognize as soon as it, as soon as it starts man, it's not real bad. That's what we do sometimes. We think, well, this is no big deal. It's not real bad. No, not yet. It's almost like we have this tendency sometimes to say, don't worry, Lord. Don't, don't worry. I can take care of this. Oh, don't, don't bother about it, Lord. I'll take. Really? No, take authority in the name of Jesus right then. Use your spiritual authority right then and say, nope, that, that little whisper of the wind that's beginning to blow, you just stop it right now. I'm not going through that wind tunnel with you. I'm not having that blowing around in my life. You stop it right now. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Angela, you have two minutes. Let them have it, baby. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I just wanted to wrap a few things up that 
were stirring around on the inside of me. Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? <laughs> Hallelujah. Just lift our hands and thank him for his goodness. Praise the Lord. Oh, Shimala Lamola, Lamina, Kintaya, Lamesta, Linda Mostora, Mahapra, Bebeya, Insikia, Taya, Mashatobala, Hosita, Esamenerakea, Oprabamara, Nebefia, Prepare, Dizias, Historia, and Manga, Ekalastish, Dandal, Mamba, Rebe, Eri, Rasutra, Moramakatra, Bea, Kataya, O Shimana Maya, O Sakaya Daya, Imas Kadala Mia, Sodo Malepe, Lama, Ishtika omuncia teya baasa esa rinta brompa entera mini katara balatefetio bora vandaye. Great things have been prepared for the church in these last days. And yea, I will rise up and walk in the middle of all that God is doing. I'll not be on the left hand side or the right hand side. I will not get into the ditch or get into excess or not, and I certainly won't fall back into fear and unbelief, but I'll boldly march forward in the full flow of the Spirit, enjoying the blessing of the Lord, being revived and reviving all who are around me for the grace of God and the hand of the Lord and the power of God is a upon me for good and I'll do everything he said I'll do. Hallelujah. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.